0: Welcome back to PodCan episode 21. This week I'm joined by Kawa to talk about the upcoming tournament in Miami, the biggest Lorcana tournament to date. I actually had the sort of the opportunity to test for it competitively because one of my friends was planning on going, which actually. He had to pull out last second, so he won't be going, but we did a few days of we did a few days of hardcore testing. So got a real good idea of what the meta looks like, especially in the context of attending a what looks to be 250 plus player tournament, which will be the biggest tournament to date, I believe. Um, so excited for that. Uh, we'll be talking about you know just general constructed meta updates. We had a lot of comments on our previous deck tech with Moyne, so the Ruby Amethyst Evasives, as well as our last podcast with Moyne also talking about that deck. Um, we'll be talking about Wheel Steel, the new ruby amber mid-range deck and of course we'll touch on ruby amethyst because we do that every single podcast (laughs) because some people were saying uh we had some comments was like guys i love the podcast but uh you know it's really a lot of ruby amethyst and i was like yeah that that's 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 fair i think yeah that is fair It is a lot of ruby amethyst Mm. all right so i want to start it off with um just some feedback and comments that we got on some videos, as well as just some updates from people in our community over the week. So this one comes from Trayton Hunter, and they say, Hey, I found this deck extremely sweet. This is referring to the Ruby Amethyst Evasive list. I ended up splitting top four, top four with this with minus one Ursula, plus one Elsa, uh, the big Elsa, losing one game throughout the day to a wheel deck, um, losing a bunch of Inkables on turn four. Trey, uh, Trey Ellingson from Pat's, uh, Pat's Games in Austin. So this was the Austin tournament. Deck is insane. Oh I yeah, feel, yeah. Deck is insane. I feel, you know what you're doing, and it's actually worked on a completely different level. Uh, it's working on a completely different level than anything else right now. I want to say congratulations, Trey, and Hunter, Hunter there, my friend as well from Flesh and Blood, Dagen White. Um, you know. He's on the flesh and blood pro circuit, competes at worlds, the pro tour, very famous for going undefeated and looks to be the most promising player on day one. And then absolutely poops the bed on day two. That's dagger and light shout out. <laughs> so he took this, he took that exact same deck the Ruby Amethyst this evasive list. And by the way, any list that we talk about in the podcast, the link is in the description below. Um, he took that to a top eight in Ohio. Um, I believe they also split, I don't know if they split top four or something like that. They could have played it out. Maybe he got second. I don't remember also, Jody Burney got top eight with the Ruby Amethyst Evasive list at Level Up Games. It was a 1.5K. I don't know exactly where it happened. So Austin, uh, Ohio, and Level Up Games, we had a top eight with that list in, in every single one. I just want to say congratulations to those people. I'm happy y- y'all enjoyed it and that it, and that it worked out. Um, but yeah, it's just cool to see. It's cool to see. All right, on to questions. On to questions, because we got a bunch of questions. So this one comes, okay. comes, from, comes from The Illumination. They say... Based on the mention of wheel steel, I cobbled it together today from a tournament for a tournament. Fifteen minutes before my train, no testing at all. Uh went in one, and went undefeated. All right,
1: there you go. Yeah,
0: Kyle, have you had a chance to play the wheel steel deck? So this is a amber steel deck that utilizes it for the most part. It tries to shift out a five cost or five cost plus on turn three ish, and then wheel from there, getting a lot of card advantage on the opponent.
1: Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, unfortunately, as I've been just a little bit busy keeping up with some other stuff. But like I mentioned, I actually did play against it in my locals one of the weeks there. And yeah, it can do some extremely powerful things. I remember the first time they did the shift into the Captain Hook, and I was like, okay, that's good. Like, the, the effect on Captain Hook was interesting. But then instantly, as soon as they started singing the songs, and yeah, I, I was playing the Ruby Amethyst Evasive List. So all those whole new worlds came out, I started discarding my hand, and it got pretty crazy pretty quickly. So uh coming back to the, the the previous player that you mentioned who said that they only lost one match to basically the wheel still deck i, mm-hmm. I think that's fair because i think it has a a decent matchup into Ruby amethyst honestly like you can mulligan as best you can you can kind of have your line and then if they get a really early a whole new world out it's kind of it's it's, it's kind of interesting right because it resets right so maybe it's more detrimental maybe you still get the cards you need but i think more often than not when you mulligan you want to mulligan for your game plan, which is get to seven ink, right? And if they're getting rid of your hand and giving you a new hand, that new hand more than likely is probably not going to easily get you to that seven ink. So I think that's why that deck stands up pretty well to, to Ruby Amethyst, the evasive. How, how, like, what do you think in terms of like that matchup, Brendan? Do you think it's close? Do you think it has a good matchup against the Ruby Amethyst?
0: So one thing I want to point out is when you talked about... Um... We call it Wheel, but what we're talking about is mm. a whole new world. It's, uh, it's a reference yes, yes, to a magic yes. card called Wheel of Fortune, um, just for people who don't know. But you say it resets. So the key mm. thing to understand about a whole new world is that it doesn't reset. That's not what it's doing. It, it looks like it's resetting, but what it's doing mm. is it's saying you draw seven cards. Or I draw mm-hmm. seven cards. You draw three because you have four in your hand already and you have to discard those four and then draw seven so sure, look at it sure from a value end it's seven minus four you're only drawing three i'm drawing seven that's why it's broken when you get it on turn mm-hmm. three because they dump their hand they dump their hand in ink mm-hmm. they dump their hand in playables and uh, they can
1: still play a card right they sing it with captain hawk yeah exactly yeah
0: so the idea if you're playing ruby amethyst and you know you're playing against this deck it's hard to still not mulligan for Inkables because for them to wheel uh, to a whole new world on turn three, it's a very, very good draw for them mm-hmm. um, because they need the math on it is actually pretty bad. They need little hook, they need big hook, um, and of course, they need the wheel and they need cards that they can play out of hand to so get as much value as possible. Um, it's just, it's possible. It's just like, it's the nut draw of the deck. I think if Ruby Amethyst, if I knew I was playing against it, my goal would be to get as many Inkables as possible. But also, I would play out every single card to board that I could. So I would play out mm-hmm. my Sergeant Tips. I would play out my Gaston. I would play as much on curve as possible so that I can minimize the amount of value I'm losing when they do end up casting a whole new world. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, it's pretty standard. It's like, um, into the late game, your deck is more powerful. It's just getting there. Mm-hmm. I do think, uh, just when you asked about, you know, does it have a favorable matchup? I think... Yes, I think it is good against Ruby Amethyst. I will say that I do think it's very play-draw, which I, I, I really hate saying that, uh, but it's super important. Uh, because if we think about the aspects of what both decks are doing, both decks are tend to get to critical spells. So the difference between uh, action songs, uh, so spells and creatures, and the creatures come down, they have summoning sickness. So they're less impactful on play-draw than I think immediate spells are, where immediate mm. spells are like, if I am on the play, like I literally get to uh, board wipe, uh, a whole entire yep. turn earlier or I have a dragon fire a whole entire turn earlier for something like a stitch rockstar. So it can feel pretty crazy play draw cause that turn three, um, a whole new world. It's, it's much faster when they're, <laughs> when they're on the play than when, when you're yeah. on the draw, you have way less agency to actually commit to board cause you've only played effectively two turns, which is not, which is not a lot. Um, so that being said, I do think it's, it's relatively close. Like if they, if they have that crazy draw, it's pretty bad for you. But outside of that, the deck can be a little bit clunky. Uh, I would say it's 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 very good more than it's clunky. So more but when it does run into the clunky hands, it does kind of feel a bit bad. That's why it has Stitch Rockstar. It has like an alternate game plan to draw cards and get card advantage. Um, but I think it's a great deck. I think that I think if you're looking to play a deck in a major tournament right now and you don't want to play Ruby Amethyst, um, I think you play you play that deck. We'll talk about a mid-range deck that creeped up here. Like I already mentioned, the Ruby the Ruby Amber deck. But if you're looking at aggro and you don't want to be ultra committed to aggro with like, you know, for instance, uh, recently Specy... Play the yeah uh amethyst, amethyst. amethyst. Yeah, yeah like just in times like that's very mm-hmm. committal you don't have a lot of agency like you do your thing or you literally lose pretty much every game um yeah if you want to play a good aggro deck a well-rounded aggro deck that's doing very unfair things pretty consistently i think it's wheel steel um i think it's a great for deck sure. a great deck list
1: yeah um, i really want to try it out i think i think uh i think it has a lot of really good matchups uh because like you said yeah because it doesn't go full aggro you, you can kind of do a few different things with it. It's still the like. It's still technically an anti-agro deck, right? Because mm-hmm. you have the tinks, you have the grab your swords, you have stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Speaking of species, Amber Amethyst list. Like obviously, we have a quick quick shadow here. And uh, myself and Raven, we recently uh put out the Kuzco Cup, which was just a four-person tournament for Lorcana. We based the whole idea of it was we basically wanted to see what a kind of Lorcana tournament. Uh, online would look like with like kind of somewhat of a caster thing and like you know a nice board layout and stuff was was pretty fun recommend you you guys go check it out but especially deck definitely took me by surprise because i haven't seen many people run just in time but that's because it is a very like risky cards to play in my opinion right mm-hmm. like you you have to have the nut draw and i even saw in a few games he played like he was either really happy when he got it or he, like he was like there's literally nothing i can do right sometimes your draw is so bad with that deck sometimes it's so good those, those types of decks i don't like because in my opinion they're not as consistent right it's like either i either i just high roll or i gig a low roll you know what i mean so um yeah, but yeah it's the first time he played that that evasive tinkerbell card which obviously in a certain matchup I thought was insane, right? If you're if you're playing an evasive card against an aggro matchup where they've no answer to it, obviously it's great, right? It's a three health card. But if you're playing against any steel deck that has smash, any ruby amethyst evasive deck that has pongos and goofies, goofy that can just tra- like challenge it basically, like it's, it's not as good. So mm. but yeah, that's definitely a, a deck I was interested in seeing, and uh, you know, it's a different take on aggro from the other builds I've seen before.
0: Yeah, what I'll say is like. Um... That is Specy's deck. Like so Specy, like that, that's the deck that he kind of came up with. That's the mm. deck that he likes to play. Like it's kind of uh, it, it makes sense for him to play him, but at the same time if you look at a four-person tournament that's spessy um, i think it was the uh moyn and, yeah. and, and howling so if i'm spessy i go okay uh thea's maybe playing something more mid-rangey or agri yeah. or that would be my assumption i don't know what she's known for if she's known for uh for control but usually the players that are kind of known for control i guess are you know about it like i don't know yeah i agree i agree about, mm. but so if you're if you're specific, you look at that tournament. You look at three other people. I think it's reasonably likely. Well, you you yeah. know Moyan's on. You know Moyan's on Ruby. Yeah, control. Of Moyen, course, of course. You yeah, know he's yeah, on control. Yeah, yeah. And then Howling Mind's also loves that deck. So that's mm-hmm. two decks that, and the um this Amethyst Amber deck absolutely dunks on on Ruby Amethyst if it not draws if it doesn't it still yeah just if it doesn't
1: yeah I agree I it's, agree it's mm-hmm. a
0: it's a roulette deck for sure but it's a great pick it's a great pick into that that small meta because you would assume that 50% of your matchups you basically have like you have a lot of chances to just straight up auto win against them they can't be adjusting mm. in time and like mm-hmm. you know you're Moana and questing for three immediately it's a lot so yep. yeah yeah I think a good pick by Spessy. all right another uh another comment here this is from the Alathrian not sure that this is the same Elathrian on that is Grandmaster in Pixelborn. There is a very high-ranked player named Alathrian. I assume it's the same player, uh, mm-hmm. just based off the feedback, because it definitely was detailed. Um, they say, I'm surprised that Moyn says that he doesn't find Emerald decks at least challenging. There are many games where they curve out and are on the play where you don't draw your be prepared, where they simply, or they see multiple Cuscos and you don't find your early one or two drops and get too far behind. The matchup always seems live. I understand in paper events it's a bit easier and you can predict your mulligan, but on ladder if you have to mulligan a lot, you have to mulligan a lot for different decks. You can really find yourself on the wrong cards uh, to be ready for an aggro onslaught. I just want to say, <coughs> for to the Alathrian that. I agree. <laughs> so I think Moyan at the time when he was, I think he downplayed it a bit uh, because I do think that that's absolutely correct. I think that the Ruby Amethyst deck is better. Like it's a better deck, but you're right on the draw against an, against an Emerald deck that you don't know how to, how to mulligan against, especially on ladder. Like Emerald is a very hard color for Ruby Amethyst to, or Ruby Amethyst to deal with just in general. Kuzco is a very good card. Um, I think that Moyen just didn't, Hadn't been playing against a lot of aggro to be honest, it wasn't a very popular deck at the time, he wasn't running into it a lot. There was just a lot of amber steel, a lot of ruby amethyst, uh, mirrors, and then of course, you know, the sort of permutations of the meta we see where it was like sapphire, amber, all these other decks. So, I think more had just pl- not played against it as much, and I think that maybe had a bit of a results oriented bias towards you know not hating Kuzco as much as the rest of us <laughs> amethyst players. <laughs>
1: What are your yeah, thoughts on sure. what are
0: your thoughts on Emerald versus these control decks? I think it's very, very, very powerful.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, during the big tournament I played uh, at the start of October, the seventy-two player event in mm-hmm. Manchester. Um, my second game, I faced Emerald Amethyst, and the very first game, like it was close, but my player, my opponent, was really good because they literally recognized, okay, this is the matchup where I win by just quest like i he's like i don't even care if i should make this trade or not i just quest it's a race i get there and how my opponent actually won was i think i, I got to about 17 and it, i did some ursulas to really try and slow them down but like i can i can see where moyan's co- coming from because it's a uh, i guess moyan didn't really find a problem i think it's much closer than moyan assumed in my opinion because like the the matchup that i played in particular it got super close and it came down to like okay either i have like an elsa and a Ursula to win the game because because i actually got to my seven ink right and it was like super super close they were requesting super fast and whenever Cusco came down it was always a problem mm-hmm. it was always a problem i think once maybe i had a gaston on board to answer already which is like the best case scenario honestly because gaston just like flips into it
0: yeah it trades up as well
1: yeah and um, but Yeah, it's a very difficult deck to face, and I think uh, it's going to be even scarier with Set 2. I don't know if you've seen... I mean, we've already discussed some of the Emerald Set 2 cards, so I think it's just going to be a super, super good, like... uh, I want to say Aggro slash Disruptive ink because we're seeing a lot of disruption and there's already some disruption in set one right you've got like your Flynn Rider your Sheshire Ka you're you're forcing your opponent to do things that they don't necessarily want to do like awkward trades or okay I have to get rid of this card in my hand I don't really want to so yeah I think it's a it's a great color uh to basically use if you expect a lot of control decks
0: I think the complementary color to Emerald is uh it, it matters right um mm. which which is an obvious thing to say but I would say that the emerald the sort of emerald amethyst decks or emerald whatever decks they're fine i mean the mm. same thing like cruise coast the card you really don't want to see etc but you know uh I'm, I'm less worried about those it's more emerald sapphire that one's a real yep. kick in the stomach mm. for ruby amethyst it's yeah like multiple accesses to world uh, t- to ward i the fates is just i the fates by the way and we'll talk about spoilers later. Eye of the Fates is a <clears throat> premonition for set two. So right now, the one thing there's a there's something that goes on in pretty much every single game of Loracana, which will change drastically in set two, is that you always lose effectively on your, opponent, on, on your turn, right? Like, I go to my mm. turn, I see that my opponent has Lethal, right? They don't really do anything on their turn. It's like, surprise, Lethal, except Eye of the Fates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really yeah. just and shift, of course, as well, but that's a bit more nuanced. In set two, if you look at pretty much all the cards, they are changing that dynamic. Now you will look at your opponent's board you'll see how much lore they can quest for, and you'll have to actually think about other cards that could potentially come off the top that aren't represented in the board state that could actually change how much lower they can quest for. Currently, that exists with Shift and Eye of the Fates, but it's very much like a tertiary thing where it looks like it's going to be a primary primary thing to look on a gameplay instead, too. So, interesting.
1: Yeah, I, have, I have to agree, yeah. And it's, it's that idea of Eye of the Fates card that can come down that can just win them the game. Like... And you would never expect it, right? Like, all the games I've played in pretty much, like, okay, they basically have it next turn, I concede. But what Eye of the Fates, it's Like, okay, they might not have it, and then they could play They could play two of them. Imagine, imagine your opponent wins by playing two Eye of the Fates and just using both. That would be uh, kind yeah. of crazy. Did you see, actually, again, I'm sure we'll touch on these spoilers, but there was a Sapphire card that was uh, shown off recently for Set 2, which is basically like hands. So the, the Emerald hands, which is, I believe it's the four-cost inkable emerald card which is just three it's three three but it can quest for three This there's an exact same card like that but now in software so yeah, i do think that color combination is is quite lethal
0: I'm pretty sure that one is vanilla creature that quest for three and i'm pretty yes <laughs> i kind of hate it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> all right they're playing that into Cusco or that into five drop maleficent it's like they're yep. like, six quests it's just a, it's a lot but uh we'll get into it because the there's I'm not sure if Amethyst, uh, yeah, Ruby, will be the control combination uh, for the mm. future, but I do think it looks like control will have a lot more answers. And uh, I actually think that they spoiled the best. I can't say because I, I I'm going to test you on some of these spoilers. I'm not going to get... Oh my god, oh, this again. <laughs> all, right, <laughs> all, right. all right, next one comes from Nick uh, Gagalus. They say, as a pretty casual TC uh, TCG player looking to start competitive play, I found this to be the most valuable episode you've ever made. This is uh, Carl Fundamentals of the mm-hmm. One thing I'd love to hear more about is any even rough quantifying of how 2 for one of yourself is bad. I understand it in theory, but I'm struggling to find where the line is for power that makes it worthwhile. I'm wondering about specifically with shift characters, also combos like playing an action and challenging. For example, last stand plus challenging with a survival character plus Rapunzel to banish uh, an opponent. Uh, an opponent in draw cards. Uh, Thank you for your insightful conversation. So, the thing about the card game fundamental of 2 for one and all that stuff is that It's a concept that exists agnostic of context, right? So most of the things you're describing in the second half of your question are context-based. And that's why card games are interesting is you can't evaluate card games purely based off quantitative theory and the value of cards. Some people think you can, and I think that if you did, you'd probably be right 90 to 95% of the time. But that being said, there is (coughs) contextual situations that will exist on board where you will take a low value line or a suboptimal line uh, quantitatively, and it will actually win you the game. So, like you said, shifting a character, like you shifting an Elsa against an opposing control deck, might open you up to always being two for one, right? The Dragonfire is a huge threat. You could lose a massive amount of value, right? Because mm-hmm. you're com- you're effectively committing eleven ink, and they commit five to remove it, and that's pr- it's a bad trade for you. But contextual in the board seat, you could say, I need to put down my Elsa and tap these two things down in order to pivot to be the aggressor to win the game. I both need to tempo them out and stop them from questing and I need to present a three quest lore on my end so that I can have a two turn clock or something like that. So the idea to answer the first part of the question was is just why is two for one and good? It's just the idea that if you if you do that just more than your opponent, you will be up on value, and value is what wins card games. Um, I don't know if I can break that down anymore without like we have to go into like a really really deep conversation. But that's that's it's it is somewhat of an opinion to be honest that value wins card games more often than not, and that's really what the the statement that's what we're asserting. The more if you eke more value out of your opponent, you should win more than not. Not that you'll win every time, but you should. So it's a heuristic, right? It's like you mm. you. Um, you sort of maintain that 80% of the time. You know, It's like a Pareto principle, 80% of the time, but 20% of the time, it won't be correct. But for the vast majority of scenarios, this is sort of like your heuristic and this is how you evaluate cards. And then after that, you you sort of check that's your first line of defense. And then after that, then you look at the board state, then you evaluate context and you go, okay, is it appropriate to take a low value line here in order to win the game based off the context of my hand, my game plan and the board state? But ultimately two for one is just, this idea that if you maintain if you over a, over a period of games of a game or period of games if you get more value out of your cards quantitatively because you get assign a quantitative value to each card then your opponent you should win more often than not but it is not correct every time if yeah that, it's
1: if it's it's sense. so contextual right it's, it, it is literally so contextual and there's so many conditions that would uh sway if it's right to actually do it right so like again the, the best example is the whole be prepared thing right it's like okay do you do you want to use be prepared on just one card okay maybe it's fine if they don't have much lore if they have a lot of lore maybe you have to right like there's there's so many conditions that can be met but like the best example i'll give is like okay like if they have three cards on board that can quest for a lot you be prepared that's good if they if they all you know what i mean if they all cost a, a relatively decent amount or if they're if, if your opponent's going to threaten something that's what you want to do right but then where it's different is if okay my opponent has a Cusco on the board and I'd be prepared. It's like, is that good? Yes, in that situation it's good, but then most of the time if you're just be preparing one card, it's not great. Yeah. But exactly. it all depends on the card, it all depends on context. So And if you're yeah, minus, I think,
0: you're minus two on you'd be minus two on value for card yeah for ink trade. Um, yes. Yeah. So th- that's, that's right. So it is contextual. Yeah. Yeah. The, the core idea is like, it's just a heuristic, right? It's like a first line of defense. It's a filter in which you evaluate all situations. It's like, how do I get more value? How do I out two for one my opponent? And then I add context on top of that. Um, I think that if you completely neglected all all, all context considerations from every single game a card game you played, and you just yeah. played off value, you would probably still be a pretty good card game player. <laughs> like that's yep. the thing is like it is a wide net; it catches a mm-hmm. lot of si- situations. Most situations can be figured out and can be won via evaluating just based off value and not based off context. But the reason why card games are interesting is because you have that extra layer where you can now go past that net and say, okay, is this one of these outlier scenarios where I take this sort of suboptimal line or this context-based context line in order to win the game? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> as much <laughs> as I could come up with the time. It's a tough question, to be honest. And it is it is an opinion. It is, not, it is not like a card game fact, even though you hear a lot of people say it. It's kind of a... Um, just, yeah, two for one is just something that's been around for a long time. I think the origin, it's not the origin of two for one, but the origin of this concept, um, at least when it was fully expressed from what I understand is like in old school magic, the gathering, people were doing a lot of things with decks, you know, trying to, you know, make big creatures and like get these big threats on board. And there was a deck that was created. And I forget the name of the person. I think It was Brian something like some created a deck called, <laughs> the deck and basically all it did was two for one um and it became like one of the i think it is the best deck in old school it was RPG. it wasn't kibler was it no it wasn't kibler kibler was pretty much the opposite it's <laughs> a <So> kibler <laughs> kibler built uh kibler built like the big creature decks um mm. from what i understand but it was yeah Brian's something and yeah basically the entire deck was just like all cards of two for one and if you like old school is still format magic gathering is played and it's like the best deck in that format from what i understand even after all these years all right, so that's all our questions. Yeah, so thank you to all the people that you know, gave us feedback, commented on the YouTube videos. It helps out a lot, and we would love being mm-hmm. able to talk to y'all, answer those questions on the podcast. Um, and yeah, if you want to get your stuff read out for next week's pod, just shoot us a comment on YouTube. We'll get that, get that queued up. All right, the headlines. So I just wanted to talk about Kawa preparing for Miami. We talked about it a little bit already, mm. but just the mindset, expected metagame, what that could bring, et cetera. So I was preparing with Sasha Markovic, who was—he's been on this podcast. He was planning to go, but ultimately the EV was just kind of low because he was already in Dallas, Texas, and there is a—I think it's a, it's a or twenty thousand uh, dollar flesh and blood tournament here this weekend. I'll be casting it, so Sasha is going to compete in that uh, instead. But when we were preparing, this is the biggest Lorcana tournament of all time. Lots of players going. We're looking at primarily two decks: um, Ruby Amethyst and Wheel Steel. Wheel Steel is the Amber Steel deck that does the wheel stuff. Uh, I think that Ruby Amethyst ultimately is the best position deck for the format. Um, it's very good against all the mid range decks. It has game against the aggro decks, and it's we would play our evasive package. So literally the Literally the list that we've been talking about that's in the description below. That's the list we would have played ultimately after all the testing. I don't want to spend too much time on Ruby with this. Um, one consideration for the deck is we were thinking about, <laughs> Moyne and I were talking, and Sasha and I were talking about this, maybe adding Little Elsa's. I know it's contrary to us not playing the little characters and shifting, but what mm-hmm. Little Elsa would do in that deck, because it would give you more equity versus aggro in the mid to late game. So, one of the problems with aggro is that it can, it can quest early up to like 14, 15, 17, and then every single threat they land on the board. Represents an increase in lore that's printed on the card because you can't do anything about it. You have to Mm dragonfire that. You have to spot removal it, so it's taking a piece of removal. But if you have, if you land one little Elsa, now if you if you couple that with another threat, which is very likely, every single character that's under the board, say they're an aggro and most aggro decks by turn six, turn seven against your deck will be top decking, so they're playing one card a turn. Now, they now represent effectively zero lore, because <clears throat> mm-hmm. you'll just trade with the other characters. So that's something. <clears throat> also, Little Elsa is uh, definitely a reasonable card in the mirror, um, a reasonable card in Ruby Amethyst uh, uh, mirrors because just tapping stuff down, shift uh, not shifting the ladder, but sending the ladder out with the yeah, population. it's good Laden. It's mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. reasonable card. So just consider that if you're worried about aggro. Uh, I don't think it's going to help you against Wheel Steel though, which is your problem. All
1: right, and uh, just uh, just cry if it's always Cusco as well because Elsa does nothing. <laughs> yeah, much. Cusco
0: is just a card you have to uh, evaluate as each Cusco that comes down just deletes one Be Prepared from your deck. Deletes seven, eight, gonna yep. Be Prepared uh, for each one, or <laughs> it represents three lore. So there's cards yeah. that can deal with Cusco, like uh, Gaston and Maui, those cards are decent at doing that. But yeah, Cusco is a problem for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Wheel Steel. So, again, deck list in the description, but let's just talk about what this list is trying to do. So, this list has a nut draw. There's a This list wants to do something every single game, and the rest of the cards are a package that exists around that. The best thing you can do with this deck is be on the play, play Captain Hook, Forceful Duelist, the one drop. Um, then you would play a Lantern on turn two. Maybe then you would activate Lantern. Ideally, this is like most ideal. Activate Lantern, mm-hmm. put out a Stitch Dog or something. Um, and you're inking a card every turn. <clears throat> and then on turn three, you would shift Captain Hook onto your, uh, your small Captain Hook. So this is the big Captain Hook, uh, thinking a happy thought. It is a shift three has challenger three and says characters with cost three or less can't challenge this character. That's almost irrelevant. That text, you shift that out onto there. And then you sing Wheel of Fortune, or not Wheel of Fortune? God, Wheel of Fortune. They, are, they are going to get me with that one. A whole new world. You sing a whole new world. So basically, you dump your entire hand by turn three, and you draw seven new cards. Your opponent will likely be drawing four new cards. He's very, very good against control. Um, even good against aggro. The thing is, is like it's much le- it's much less good against aggro because aggro could dump their entire hand to the board. You don't want the. the the key heuristic about a whole new world is you don't want your opponent drawing a symmetrical amount of cards. You don't want your opponent also drawing seven cards, ideally, because that is like whole new worlds. Like the way it's written is that this is a symmetrical effect. It is not. The whole idea is that it's not symmetrical. You're not. You're making it asymmetric because your opponent is effectively drawing three cards and you're drawing seven. Um, this is a this is a steel deck, so. Steel decks are just inherently good into aggro decks, so you might not be doing that exact combo against aggro um, because you would give them a lot of card advantage or just card neutral, uh, which is not ideal. You give them a lot more threats, So, but you do have grab your sword. You have smash. You have so many things to deal with that. Um, the other package it has is Stitch Rockstar with one drops and two drops, so that's Stitch New Dog, Forceful Duelist, Simba, uh, Proactive Cub, And you can draw cards with that. So it has a whole other engine (laughs) in addition to the whole new world, which is an engine. Um, Then it has your normal mid-range stuff, Rapunzel's, uh, Beasts, and it has Hades, Lord of the Underworld. Yeah, how do you feel about Hades? That's a cool inclusion in this deck, I think. Yeah, it's really good. Like, if you want to increase your equity against uh, Control specifically, that is a card that Control has a hard time beating, infinite Hades loops, So each Hades Mm. is coming down. Um, and just sort of representing the lore that's on the card every two turns, because it's going to come in with effectively summoning sickness, and it's going to quest on the turn after they kill it, and then you two turns. So every other turn you get one, um, and yeah, it's it's really good against control. I mean, people have known that's good against control, but uh, mm. yeah, it's it's. I think it's solid. <clears throat> this is the deck I would want to face the second least if i was playing ruby amethyst in miami the most the car the deck i would want to face the least is uh um,
1: emerald right yeah but that deck yeah, yeah. is
0: pretty bad against most mid-range decks so mm, mm-hmm. whoever's playing that deck i mean they're kind of they're kind of like making a they're making quite a bold meta call <laughs> to play that mm-hmm. deck right especially with the rise of the other deck we'll talk about which is ruby ruby amber and also probably mm-hmm. dunks on aggro decks um Kala, anything to say about this uh, wheel steel deck? Where do you think it sort of lands in terms of the metagame hierarchy?
1: I think it's really good. I think it's better than the other amber steel decks that we've seen so far, honestly. It really makes me want to try it out. I mean, the other amber steel decks are very good. They do things very well, but this does something against control that I feel like those decks can't do, and that's why I like this in particular. I think the Hades is a great inclusion. Uh, It's so funny when you're talking about the nut draw, obviously. I mean, we already mentioned it earlier, but in order to get that nut draw you need to have so many specific cards pretty much in the opening hand it's a it's a little bit ridiculous i mean you haven't said the math is is like crazy yeah the math is crazy on it the math um,
0: math is abysmal i mean we could (laughs) it's like so i mean you have a 60 card deck you have a captain hook this is not counting mulligan obviously mulligan but Mm. you would basically multiply the four over 60 which is your captain hook. And then your four over 60. You'd multiply by that for a whole new world. And then you would yeah. multiply it by a two over 60, um, yeah. which is your captain hooks thinking happy thought. It's just like, but you can also do this with like, you can do a budget version of this where you play mm. stitch a uh, new dog, and then you shift the big stitch and you sing with that on mm-hmm. turn four, or you can do it on turn three with the lantern. If you get that as well. So you have multiple angles. It's just like, it, it's not going to happen most of the time. Um, but it's not, like, infinitesimally impossible. Like, it, mm. you, it is what this deck does. Like, the deck wants to do that, and often mulligans aggressively to get there. Yeah.
1: That's actually an interesting one. Yeah, I didn't think of the, the... If you do the Stitch Lantern, Big Stitch instead of the Captain Hook line, mm. that's really interesting, because you're effectively doing the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. You're also getting a bit. Be- be- yeah, actually, I'm not going to say one could argue. Actually, just a better card, I think, out on turn Definitely. three. Because you're questing for more. You've got an engine, then, of just, like... I mean, you start playing twos and ones. You're still drawing cards. Like,
0: yeah, it's yeah. So neck, really but, really cool. So the only difference with that is that in, you now need. Uh, it is now no longer a three card combo. It's a four card combo because you actually yes. need the lantern. uh um, yep. To come out of the turn three. So yeah, I think this le- this deck list is solid. If I wasn't playing Ruby Amethyst, um, I would play the uh, at a, at a tournament. I would play this deck. For sure, mm-hmm. like ten thousand <laughs> percent. It's yeah. so 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 good. It's solid, and I think what our what we what the what we read out the top of the pod from the Illumination. What they said is that basically... Yeah, it match, so, it sounds really like it is, yeah, you know, yeah. I like gobbled it together in fifteen minutes and won a tournament. I was yeah. like, that's par for the course of this deck. Yeah, though, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. This deck is really powerful. All right, let's go on to a spicy one. I, I think I can actually pull up the list here. So this is the first time we're talking about. It. That's why I'm actually going to pull up the image. Um, yeah, here we go. Just There, so this is from St- So Steadfast and Ducky. Ducky is the rank one player on Pixelborn. Did a deck tech on this, I think it was like yesterday. This is just, this is a list that's been floating, or not a list, but this is a color combination that's been floating around the past a week or two. Made a couple top eights. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I don't think people paid a lot of attention to it because it was definitely in the minority, but now it's definitely... I mean, if you're, if you're going to Miami, you need to be thinking about this deck, because the, mm-hmm. the deck deck is going to be very popular. And this is a ruby-amber uh, list. Amber. So yeah, I mean, this is fundamentally a mid-range deck. So uh, what I would compare this to is like the old-school amber-steel decks... They were quite similar in terms of the amber cards they were running, but this also has access to evasive, so it has Goofy in it. Um, it has access to Leafu and Gaston is there to help against aggro. Um, but you know the top end of Ruby is pretty powerful in the spot removal. So you have Dragonfire, Maleficent, Be Prepared, etc. So good list, very very powerful mid range list. I think this would, if you brought this list to a tournament, it would cover a lot of the metagame. Like, you would have a good matchup spread, most likely. I do think that this list is probably unfavored into Ruby Amethyst. I've not played the matchup myself, but looking at the cards that exist in this deck list, I can't imagine how it is good against, or <laughs> how it would be favorable against Ruby Amethyst outside of Early leaf foods hitting the board. Sorry, the amber Leafoods, by the way. Those yep. are the ones that quest for two, um, and they have they have access to an infinite Hades loop as well as You Have Forgotten Me, which can be disruptive to control. Outside of that, control would have a lot more card draw. Would play around the Rapunzels um, as much as possible, and you know con- would probably it beat you on card quality and the late game as well. So like you have access to and Sitch Servers, but they are dropping Elsa's, Ursula's, uh, etc. Nevertheless, if you were to look to bring a deck list to a tournament and you're like, oh, my, my only bad matchup is Ruby Amethyst and I'm the best mid range deck and I have a lot of agency and I dunk on all these aggro decks and I'm beating all the other mid range decks, great pick. Great pick in my opinion. Mm, I'd love
1: to see this deck actually against Ruby Amethyst because I, I'd i say it's close still. I do think Ruby Amethyst has the advantage, but I'd say it's, it would be very interesting. Like you said, the, the Infinite Hades loop is definitely a problem for. Ruby honest to deal with. What do you think about this four cost aerial? This is actually the first deck I think I've ever seen with this four cost aerial in uh,
0: it. Yeah, it's. Uh, we even. So, Moyne and I uh, used to play this card as well. I mean, it's just a solid. The thing is, like, it's a solid stat line. So, usually mm. if you had a four cost, I believe it would be like a 3 3 that would cost for yes. 2, so This is a 3 4. Yeah. So, you can trade with most things on board. That's very congruent with a mid range deck. A mid range deck would want to be two for oneing, uh via combat frequently and i think that's why yeah it's kind of, of it's the
1: idea of the idea of why cerberus was considered mm-hmm. to be good right in the mid-range deck because you have that one extra health point i think tigger in this deck is interesting because it would help to deal with the opponent's goofy and the ruby amethyst matchup but just dragonfire like dragonfire is just the way to answer tigger and stuff like that stitch also very very nice we've seen the uh although stitch is a so it's a six four six i do think from all of the other three uh lore cards i've seen like let's just say for example the big maleficent within sapphire i think having a five cost three six that can quest for three is a lot better than a six cost right i don't think that for attack is very like uh yeah. important or how do you how do you feel about it's just all
0: ruby has access to so this is like a bu- yeah true, like a budget true version true. of that um mm. it's just that's the sort of the delineation between the the colors here is that sapphire just has a more efficient way to do that. You're right that the yep. the attack value is not worth it, but it's mm-hmm. just you, you, if you could play that card in here, you could play. Most you would the play it. Yes, game. I agree. Um, I the tigger is interesting because the tigger will trade. The tigger will trade with if you actually are facing its ruby amethyst, it will trade yep. with every evasive on that uh, uh in the ruby amethyst evasive list. That being said, there's only two tiggers, um, mm-hmm. and tigger is a value trade with dragonfire. That the player that's dragonfire tigger will be trading up so it's a it's i agree it's a high ev treat that being said you're playing against this deck as ruby amethyst there's a f- there's a good amount of things you want to dragonfire you want to dragonfire yeah. the goofy you want to dragonfire the stitch um you want to dragonfire preemptively sometimes to stop stitch carefree surfer drawing two cards so um you know there's there's an aspect i mean this is what evasives do whether they would this deck will tax you uh in terms of removal so um it'll it'll be it's something to Have consider been, how many
1: Dragonfires in this is... Only two Dragonfires in this in this deck. Yeah, Dragonfire's yeah. just a
0: little slow, I think, mm. uh, especially as a mid-range deck that wants to be winning on board. Um, it gets rid of pesky threats, for sure, but I know that this that this list had more Dragonfires in it, and they sided it down.
1: And they um, they got down. It's a high
0: cost, uninkable at five, and, you know, if you're against an aggro deck, it will frequently trade drastically down, right? You're going to be, like, Dragonfiring, like, a three cost or something. Like... Um, i mean our ruby amethyst evasive list runs three uh and that is very non-standard most decks just default to four so yeah yeah it's cool it's, uh, it's a <laughs> chapter one Lorcana, i mean it's freaking ridiculous that the meta literally evolves every single week
1: yeah we're um, still finding new lists it's really exciting I have, a, I have a very similar list to this that uh i kind of crafted from when we reviewed one of the uh, tournaments, I think it was about two weeks ago, there was one of the lists in there that was a ruby mm-hmm. amber deck, because it's, it, like, it is a color combination, like you said, that's kind of and uh, like, not too many people have really looked into it, like, I looked into it before, and the only real package I saw was you could do, like, the Mulan princess stuff, but I just feel like that is just so slow against a lot of decks, like, it sucks against control, it sucks against mid-range, because you just need to have a lot of board presence the whole time, but this, the idea of this deck is really cool, and I think the Hades helps a lot out in the control matchup but i was running like i was running this list and i think i had i even had rockstar stitch in it because i think it's good with the gaston lefou i had simba in it i had some of the pieces i think i think i had the i think i put mickey brave or taylor to actually see if i could do anything with the card but i do think in general it's just it's pretty rough right because like if you're facing any sort of remove it's just dead but against other decks it, it can sometimes put in the work so mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like the color combination in general. I think it's really interesting, and I want to see more. I want to see more people try and iterate upon this uh, color combination, and maybe even make some other lists out of it. Right? Like, do you think we could ever go? Obviously, this is mid range. Do you think we could ever go more control, or like Ruby Amethyst just always beats it because of the card draw? Right? Always yep. beats
0: it. I think Ruby Amethyst already beats it, but mm. um, I think that there's color combinations and there's there's deck ar- there's decks that need to play to their archetypical strengths. Um, one mm. of the biggest things I see. Uh, where, where people make mistakes in deck building, this will more often than not happen in paper events, is I'll be playing against opponents that, uh, I'll be playing Ruby Amethyst evasives playing against opponents, and we start to get into the late game, and they're like, oh, I'm getting so unlucky, I'm not top-decking the card I need. I'm like, what's the card you need? They're like, oh, I need be prepared. I was like you can be prepared with this board like you can be prepared with my board you'll three for one me but you have no cards in hand i have two yeah, cards i'm decking better cards yes. than you as well yeah, i know it's exactly like, it's a huge thing yeah. Uh, yeah it's like that's a good i mean that would be a fine card for you but it would absolutely just delay the inevitable because my card mm-hmm. quality is so much higher than you at this curve it's like if you are going to play a color combination that's more oriented towards a mid-range game plan or an aggressive game plan or an 80 of your deck is aggressive it's like just just playing to that game plan it, it, we might get to turn seven and you might not have a big fair but but you're probably going to lose that game anyway, to be honest, against a control deck. So I think with this color combination, <clears throat> maybe you could go more aggro with it. But outside of that, uh, it's a very mid-rangey, mid-range-y color combination. Yep. So I think, the, I think this is sort of where it should land in terms of um, what it's trying to do. I just want to say in terms of wheel steel, uh, we did have a comment from Austin Turner, and they said, still playing the evasive package and agree that the only deck that somewhat gave it an issue... Uh, still turn three shift hook a whole new world yeah so yeah, yeah. playing ruby amethyst evasives on the draw they said shift three hook a whole new world is really good against them he said i still beat it this week in paper but on the draw it's a super tall mountain to climb just want to say austin to austin agree i think that's absolutely valid and correct (laughs) um that is what we believe as well so there was a time in this podcast where we were saying like Ah, uh, Amber Steel is a buy. Amber Steel was a buy back then. The the mid range Amber Steel deck was so bad against Ruby Amethyst. Uh, to be honest, like it just again it was playing towards a game plan that it couldn't win. This this deck is very. It can be a very very aggressive deck against Ruby Amethyst, which is Ruby Amethyst. That's the kryptonite of that deck. If you want to beat that deck, play aggro. Um, yep. Yeah. So for sure, just wanna. So shout out that that is uh we have also come to that conclusion
1: yeah it's, shout out to you guys as well for uh, like I, I love having these conversations with the rest of the community right because i feel like when, we're, when we do our pod we can sometimes get lost in everything that we're experiencing but it's really good to understand that other people are either experiencing similar things that what we are so we can say okay maybe maybe we are right and then some or sometimes we could see that sometimes we're wrong i'm sure we're wrong a lot of the times but i think i think you know for the most part we've 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 done like we've we've, as as the meta has progressed i think especially you and mine like you've you spent so much time working on that kind of ruby evasive thing that uh i think that's really flipped the script on what the whole hyper control thing was to now being the evasives to now amber steel being uh this really fast wheel type of deck which is cool
0: yeah yeah my biggest shout-out goes to all the people that took that decklist to tournaments and yeah. dealt with it. Or even if you did badly, yeah. I'm happy you have the confidence to take it. Um, that was that was really cool to see. That was really, really cool to see. Um, anyway, let's get on to spoilers. My favorite Yes! Time. Let's go. No, you
1: just love this because you just make fun of me. <laughs> That's all it is. Oh, all my right. God. Um, let's do it.
0: So, first up is the... Merlin, Goat, it's a 4-3, and Amethyst, starborn Mentor, Sorcerer, cost 4, can be inked. And it says, here I come, when you play this character, and when he leaves play, gain one lore, and it quests for one lore. Kawa, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, Okay, when we put this straight into play, we get one lore. I think it's interesting, although a 4 cost card that is only questing for one is does not seem great to me and that the stat line does also like also doesn't seem great to me i think if this was a 3-4 this would be a lot better with it being a 4-3 i think it's uh kind of worse but we've seen a lot of cards that are kind of the idea of this kind of bounce package mm-hmm. you can get a lot of lower fast so right now it's hard for me to actually see how prevalent that's gonna be but there's a lot of cards that kind of want to act upon that so Yep. It's interesting. I think I think the card is fine. I don't think it's amazing, it doesn't blow me away. I think if the start line was swapped it would be better
0: so this card in a vacuum is bad so a four three mm. quest for one they gets you one more it would be a bad card um because if you needed access to a fourth stat line you would just go guest on uh mostly yep. well this, this is amethyst so you know mm-hmm. shut two there might be more ways to go with uh, <laughs> it's not Ruby amethyst with amethyst right now but i think that that's that's the first thing that comes to mind but you have a- you have access in your in your secondary color to find things that can attack for four um if you want to compare this to something You'd compare it to probably Pongo, which just, it just kind of gets that. But that being said, this is a synergistic card. So if you're bouncing it back and forth and that is what your deck is trying to do, that is the archetype of your deck. It potentially fits in there, but in a vacuum, uh, no good. All right. Next up is Merlin Crab. It's a 3-3 storyboard Mentor and Sorcerer. Cost three can be inked. Quest for one says, ready or not. When you play this character and when he leaves play, chosen character gains challenger plus three this turn.
1: meh no that's a bad one yeah so yeah i don't think so
0: <laughs> you can compare this directly to a card that already exists in amethyst which is uh maleficent sorcerer again these are synergistic cards we know they are but we still got to evaluate them for just like as an individual so as an individual card this is a pretty bad card um even the effect is pretty bad so i think even yeah if it's the- only this turn yeah. if it was
1: permit it'd be maybe interesting but even yeah. with it just being this turn i'm like oh, i don't know Challenger
0: is a pretty weak ability as well it's like not fantastic um it's okay uh, but it's not fantastic. So this I'm is curious
1: a, as to why it's only challenger as well. Like I don't know why this just wouldn't, be, wouldn't just be plus three attack this turn. Because challenger means you have to challenge into something. But if it's just pl- actually, I, I guess it's the same, same thing, thing, right? Yeah. It's actually the exact same thing, thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. All right. All right. Cool. Modem Mim. Uh, this is a three-three storyborn villain sorcerer. Cost two. Can't be a quest for one. Says just you wait. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand.
1: So, return another chosen character of yours to your hand. This is a two, three, three. 3 Stat lines are very good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could do this in some type of aggro type of deck. Just, you want to think about the cards that you want to be bouncing Is it a downside back. to
0: bounce? How much of a downside is it? So, I'll tell you one thing. You said aggro. In aggro, it's probably a downside to bounce.
1: Yeah, I think it is a downside, I agree. But yeah.
0: in other decks,
1: it's not bad. You can do value. You can do so get value bad. stuff for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I I yeah. I have a spiel about this, so I'll save it for another card though, cuz there's another. Okay. Card. But this card is this card seems pretty good. Yeah, it seems
1: good. Seems good. I like it, yeah. Good value card. All right. All, All right, next one. one.
0: Merlin Squirrel, Storyborn Mentor Sorcerer 2/1. Uh 2 costs can be inked. Quest for 1 says, "Look before you leap. When you play this character and when he leaves, play look at the top card of your deck, put it either on the top or the bottom of your deck." Good card. I good card good. interesting
1: yeah. i think the health is i think the health is really low but in terms of the value it's good. i think you, you i think i know what you're gonna say I think you're gonna say would you not just play Ur- ursula's cauldron and get infinitely like more value <laughs> this, is a body. It, this is a body this is a body it is it, yeah it's a body but how 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 impactful is the body right in certain matchups it's like so dead but um i mean it's it's ink but i, I guess it's, it's whatever then uh Okay, now, now now I just want to play Ursa's Cauldron. Yeah, After just saying that now that you know, yeah, now I just out. talked it yeah, I just talked it, talked myself into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: if you if you're in a center just deck and you need these bounce cards, I, I don't even think the the payoff on this one is very good, but you know, maybe you're bouncing a lot of cards since we, but yeah. but this card is pretty bad in a vacuum. I think even the comparable cards you would compare it to, but you have to understand the cards that are the the bounce cards, they're like evasive cards. So if we evaluated every evasive card in a vacuum, I mean evasive cards they are They're not synergistic, I guess. Uh, But they will be inherently understated with this effect. This Mm -hmm. effect, I think, will make them understated. I believe. We'll see. Um, All right. Mata Mim, Fox, 4-3, cost 3, can be inked. Um, Quest for One says, Chasing the rabbit when you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character to your hand, and this character has Rush.
1: Yeah, you're playing this card.
0: This is the best card they've printed, so yeah, far. Yeah,
1: it's very good, isn't it? It's yes. a better Rafiki, and you're, it's not even just a better Rafiki. You're actually getting value as well. Now, in the early game, I think if you're playing this in Ruby Amethyst, it doesn't matter too much, because if you're bouncing something back on turn 3, you're not really bouncing anything back. Maybe you're bouncing a Gaston back, which at the end of the day, that can just be inked again. That's just an, like you've played, you've played a threat that could attack into something. But then you could use your rush card, which you can bring back. That's what you can put into ink. But I think even in the late game, it's great. Think about how, how good this card is in the late Better game. Better
0: in the late game. I think the late game, is yeah. the easy, it's the easy one to see. Is like yeah. So you bounce if you bounce, if you have board control and you're, you have multiple things on the board, you bounce something like an Elsa. It's disgusting. But let me tell you why this card is absolutely busted. Because this is so much different than Magic the Gathering. In Magic the Gathering, you would see this effect and you would be like, okay, lose tempo. Here's the difference. Now, as a Ruby Amethyst player... I can play my one drop without consideration. Right now, I I will draw my one drop and I won't play it. I will only play it if the opponent plays like a Leafu or something that I have yep. to answer, right? Now I can play my one drop on the play on turn one and I can bounce it back and ink it. You can yeah, ink it. Yeah, it's so good. I can yep, ink it. Yeah, it's great. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely yep. freaking insane. This, this is such a good ability. There are going to be scenarios where you're like, oh, I can't drop this on turn three because I have nothing to bounce and it would sacrifice mm-hmm. itself. But... This is such a freaking powerful effect because it's actually good in the early game. This, this reads, if you read this, you're like, this this reads is basically what the what the text on says is mega downside in the early game risky card. But that is not good because yeah. you will just play your one drop and it will give you insurance against what the other person plays. Now they can't play greedy cards like, you know, uninkable one ones that quest for two. And then. Because that card becomes useless on the board, like your your Archimedes, your Sergeant Tibbs is useless on the board. Now you bounce it back and make it a freaking ink. That's crazy. Late game, you're bouncing back, you know, when you're at yeah, like 12th. Yeah, Ursula,
1: Elsa, so good. You know, yeah, it's so good. So
0: my theory is, in the current state of Lorcana, if they made Aggrodex 5-10% to 10% better, the game would suck. It would be like a 90-degree game. Like, it would just be, there would be a lot of 90-degree stuff. Like, people would just play 90 degree because it's actually the, the margins are really thin the game is really balanced i was like ruby amethyst would basically be unplayable if there was like five to ten percent more more maybe that means the game would be fun because you could play like mid-range decks but i still think the aggro decks would be like super fast um, so it's a very fine line but this card is like this is the first card i've seen for controlled it's like one of the most busted cards i've seen this and you're playing four three rush is so good oh my god yeah.
1: Are you playing four of these Over Rafiki? Are you keeping two Rafikis playing two of these or what do you think?
0: Um I don't know. I'll have to see. so it's actually contextual on what the uh what the rest of the... this needs supporting cards. This is bad not good in a vacuum quite because you need to be able to drop that one drop or something. Yep. So it's like maybe increase your one drops. I just think that with this card you could drastically increase your equity against aggro which is your problem as we with this cuz now you can play all your one drops and you don't and still have to play yeah them and still in the ink them if you have to. Yeah, 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 you can bounce back the hand and ink it which is nuts. So a lot is that's the number one card for me. Crazy. All right, Merlin Rabbit, two three, cost four cannot be inked. Storyborn Mentor Sorcerer Quest for one says hop at hip when you play this card, and when he leaves play, you may draw a card. So just thing to one thing to know. So when he leaves play, that means go back go back to hand. That means go to the graveyard. So this is basically a four cost draw to at the floor
1: yeah it's very good card very very good, card. Very, very good card. i think
0: it's a good card yeah. i just i don't i'm trying to think if um fork four cost uninkable draw two is good enough on a two three body because what if in and, and quest for one that's something to consider because like you have three cost inkable spell that draws two you have two you have three cost inkable uh body comes down two two quest for one form maleficent and only draws one so i it gets me excited cuz it does look very powerful especially if you're bouncing it back but bouncing it back mm. like we look at all the bounce cards it's like not great tempo at this point um and if, yeah so i don't know it, it looks i think it's good. good i think it's
1: good i i think yeah i def- definitely think we need to see other cards but in general if you're getting two for this it's it's pretty good it's t- it's obviously friends one. and other yeah it's yeah yeah it's it's, if it's, it's a if solid trade or
0: something I mean. it's a th- you 3 for one yeah mm. like yeah it's, it's just just, really good yeah this is a very power powerful card all right and is that all the cards that or do is we have all the cards i said the deck
1: i actually i was gonna go through so like if you want to or we could save it till next week uh there were other cards that came out now i have on this website that we have uh the cards uh, they came out in french first but if you go to the Lorcana app you can see all of these cards uh, we, we could leave that till next week, but I have all the translations here if you want to dive into it, or it's up to you, my friend. Yeah, friends. I just
0: don't have the images, so that's, that's the only problem. I sent, I sent them to you, right? No? Uh, no, but not they have to be cropped in a way that I can actually put oh,
1: okay, got into anything.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. I think we'll save them, because, I mean, honestly, none of them at this point are, are, are game... Well, there actually is one that's game free. So basically, <laughs> let me just put this in your mind For we We'll talk about it next week, but, but Prince Jean, the Emerald card, mm. um, that card, you would play that card, and then you would play a whole new world and for every card whole new world says discard so every card your opponent drew you would draw seven i i think i don't know how the triggers work i think i think the triggers would work this way it's like you would draw seven cards and then for every card your opponent it's just for
1: each yeah for each card discarded in my opinion that means you're gonna get (laughs) a lot of cards in your hand a lot of cards yeah Yeah. so
0: you could draw 10 cards like i think that's how the so there's some sort of stacking of triggers that's going on there um but I, I can't remember how lord i don't know doesn't have come comprehensive rules like actual mm. so i don't know if the active player can stack triggers however they want or if it's like some you can let us know in the comments below if you know but i believe that's how it will work um that's how yeah. right, i'd
1: read it but yeah yeah for sure
0: all right call cool. any um what let me get let me get one thing from you which is what is your what your prediction what deck do you i God, I hope they don't split top eight at this tournament. <laughs> I understand why y'all are splitting top eight. I understand because a lot of these tournaments yeah. are run by local game stores and they're going super long. You know, some of y'all have been driving very far. But for this one, the first big big tournament, I hope, I they hope not. Yeah. What is your uh, what if you were had to gamble? What deck is going to win the tournament?
1: What deck's going to win? Okay, I thought you were going to ask me what deck is going to like top like what decks are going to like top eight top four. That's a, well, that's just an easier question, right? Because like mm-hmm. like all of the decks we talked about today, <laughs> today what deck's going to win the tournament? i think it might i think it might be a wheel steal okay. i think if it's a, I think if it's a wheel steal then like we're gonna be revisiting this deck and be like okay this actually might really like be really really good against control but i think if we're looking at everything we've seen over the past month let's say on every tournament that we've seen top eights for like this there's, there's always been in my opinion at least like what two to three ruby amethysts sometimes there's even 50 percent ruby amethyst in top eight so ruby amethyst evasive is just so solid of course there's going to be some of those in the top eight so i'm going to say it's between those two but just for me i think i'd like to see wheel steel do it because then i think it 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 really shows how powerful that deck is that it went to this major tournament and
0: just took took home the win yeah for me it's uh it's ruby amethyst but Mm -hmm. it's not just because i think it's the best deck in the format um, I think it has the best matchup spread over a long, a long, sure. a long uh, Swiss format. So, 200 plus players, well, uh, 250 plus players. I believe 264 signed up. Um, you're looking at quite a few rounds of Swiss, so you need a consistent deck. I think Wheel Seal is a very powerful deck, but I think it's less consistent than Ruby Amethyst. Not it's inconsistent, but it's less consistent than Ruby Amethyst. Uh, if there's a lot of Ruby Amethyst hate, that would change, you know, kind of change uh, what the landscape would look like. But I do think that Ruby Amethyst will win um the tournament that's just my guess of course that's a fair assumption that's a very fair assumption Mm -hmm. so yeah awesome awesome Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to help us out, the number one thing you do is leave us a review on Pod Platform, so it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps out so 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 much. Um, we have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash podcana, at podcana podcast. Check it out. Hit subscribe. We do deck text. We do podcasts every single week. Um, and yeah, shoot us some comments on your feedback, things you want to get right out for the pod, questions, all that good stuff. We love it. Twitter's a Brendan APG at Cobbotech underscore CG. And until next week, see you later.